0: Blog Talk Radio Om Shabbat Shalom Holy Way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy Way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind and in the presence of my Lord of light and love everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee and come on bending knees Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah. yeah, East, west, north and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind And I am the light Within your soul in the essence of truth and right, love makes the circle And when I call to thee and come on bending knees, surrender to the all-pervading light and love, reflections of the one surrounding me with love. To find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the most high Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the most high Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the most high Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy angel of the most high Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence I sense your presence
1: and thank you for joining me here on The Code Connection. My name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George, and I am your hostess. The music you were listening to at the beginning of the show is I Sense Your Presence. It's by Shem Shai. And I want to extend a big welcome to everyone, whether you are returning because you've listened to the show, you love what I'm doing here, or because you said, hey, this looks like a great topic, and I want to see what's going on with this show, and you're joining us for the very first time. We do stream live in three additional places, Talk Stream Live, Stream Finder, and 10, known as Pair Encounters Network, and I welcome everyone listening through those channels as well. During this show, I look at living a more compassionate life by aligning with your personal life code. At times, I do have guests on the show, just like today. That way it gives you a chance to learn about their work and other things that might be an option for your code energy. I also highlight different musical artists along the way, and usually at the turning point of the year is when I do that, Um, checking to see what we're going to have going on for next week and seeing if if that's happening and what's what's going on with that. We'll find out. Hopefully we'll have some music maybe one way or another. How's that? (laughs) We'll make it happen. Here, what we do is delve into a variety of different topics, tools, resources, and thoughts that allow for personal exploration, universal insights, and expanding your perception of how life and the world works. I am a coding interpreter, and I interpret a person's life codes to allow them to live a life that's more fulfilled or filled with compassion, I should say, and what I do is I'm looking at their individual blueprint in this incarnation and how their energy flows and vibrates in the world. I've created the Genesis Statement, which is available to experience where others uh, have interviewed me. You can find that on the um, media tab, actually, on my website. My brand-new website is up, by the way, which is Com. That just went up yesterday. <laughs> Morning. It's been a little whirlwind here being on the road, so I, I appreciate everybody's patience with me um, making all these journeys that I've been making lately and going through all these transformations. Um, but that is up, and it is now on, like I said, the media tab, and if you go in there under um, – the, oh, gosh, I forgot what I termed it, but you'll see it there <laughs> where I'm a guest for other people. And you'll be able to find it, scroll down to some of the older interviews, and and it's in there where we work with the Genesis Statement. I've also authored four books, You Need Life, Dreams, and Its Companion Workbook, which is all about relationships. Also, my first two books, Activating Compassion and Its Companion Workbook. And then I'm also the collaborator on a fifth book called Embraced by the Divine, The Emerging Woman's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose. I've also created the True North Tour, and that's a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, seminars, signings, all kinds of various events. I know I've been laying low for 2016 while I've been regrouping and and refocusing the work and and bringing out more of the code work, but uh, come 2017, there will definitely be some more venues and events and things like that going on, which will be live events that you can participate in Uh, through my work, and you can stay on top of all of those happenings and things that are going on through my website, which is CompassionCode.com. I greatly appreciate all of those that share the shows here, by the way, because when you do, you are literally changing lives. And so often, just by clicking that share button, life is transformed through the information and the experiences that are being shared here. And uh, people can actually access our archives by using the same link that you used to get into our live show today, and then they can listen to it at their convenience. My shows can also be found through the Main Street Universe listing as a podcast at iTunes and TuneIn.com, as well as on my YouTube channel. So whatever somebody's preference is, we've got to wait for them to get to it <laughs> pretty much. And then they can again just listen to it at their convenience. Now, getting started into the show, those that have listened in before, you know that I love to delve into a little book called The 72 Names of God by Yehuda Berg, who's a great Kabbalah master. Takes things, puts them into his everyday language, and I use this book frequently when I'm seeking insight to, you know, perhaps help me through something in my life, or just to, to get some focus on something, and you know. What I do then is I just kind of focus in, and each week I turn the page, we get another message, and I like Yehuda's work because he puts it in that everyday language. He makes it applicable in our lives. Now, the common name of God that we've got this week is unity, and so I think that's really great with our guest today, TJ. I think this is going to fit in great with him, because, you know, they usually do, right? The messages just seem to line up well. And the initial message that Yehuda gives today is instead of trying to be right, we must recognize that there is a higher truth, unity. We need to seek harmony with our opponents, not because this is moral behavior, but because unity brings us lasting spiritual light, and it serves our own best interests. Now, Yehuda goes on to say, provides some insight about this, and he goes on to say, Two people can have opposite opinions and conflicting viewpoints, yet both can be right. Enmity and bitterness occur when people respond reactively to one another with intolerance of each other's views. True spirituality disregards vague concepts of right and wrong, and it aspires to a higher truth, the notion of unity, sensitivity, and tolerance for other viewpoints. What good is being right? if suffering and pain are the cost? And what is so terrible about being wrong if personal peace, joy, and contentment are the reward? It is only the ego that worries itself with being right or wrong. The soul's sole concern is unity, for unity begets peace and happiness. When we treat others' viewpoints with dignity, especially when it painfully difficult to do so, we often discover a new idea that brings blessings into our own life. This sacred name should be used when we are stuck in our ways, clinging to our own long-held opinion and feeding with anger and frustration at the ideas and beliefs of others. And that's a really big key when we are triggered to that point of anger and frustration in um, there. Uh, we can certainly acknowledge and recognize the oppositions that exist in the world or the people that are doing things that maybe we're no longer aligning with in our life. We may have aligned with them at one point, maybe we're not now. That's okay. and each each person is working on their own vibration, their own stuff, bringing their own peace into the world. So the difference here is really just because we can get along with those that think or act differently, um, that doesn't mean that we're necessarily aligned with them, you know, or agree with them per se in their beliefs. Uh, the key is, is that we're not dropping into that reactive space. We're able to maintain the center and the peace and to be in what is working for us. And so that's a big thing. That, that unity is a big thing there. Now he goes on to give a short meditation here on this, which is, through these letters you pass the true test of spiritual character. You're able to see all sides of the problems that be, that come before you, and your focus on unity and soul as opposed to division and oneself. I know all that can get a little confusing along the way because where do you draw the line <laughs> on some things, right? And where do you draw the line between connection and and focusing on oneself and but these are great thoughts to ponder. And when we come back to the main concept of unity, that's the key point right there. So the common name that we're working with this week is unity. And the formal name is Mem Yodhe. Mem Yodhe. And that is on my website, by the way. I do have a little tab now. If you go to the media tab, Code Connections, and then it's got another little dropdown for insights on there for the week. And that is posted on there along with the the code interpretation for the week. Now, leading into our topic, um, this is going to be a good thing today. This is going to give you a little insight of where we're headed with our guest TJ today. How conscious are you living your life? Do you really take notice to what is happening for you? Or are you more on a sort of Uh, autopilot, going through the motions of life and not really experiencing any of it. I recently have talked with friends about feeling a bit out of place lately. And when I'm around others, I sense a big disconnect. They wander around grabbing things in stores with a sort of, I'll get this attitude, even though they don't want or need it. Many days, I think the zombie apocalypse is here. And when I see these robotic actions and blank stares as if there isn't any one home, I can't even begin to count the number of times that I have heard recently, I was told to get this, or that is supposed to be really good. It is like people are not doing any of their own thinking or checking in with themselves as to what is really resonating with them. I think to myself, what happened to the days when people actually talked with each other and shared thoughts? So much of society is set up in a way to keep us from thinking and experiencing, and people are kept too busy working, pursuing the almighty dollar for a place that they don't spend any time at because they are working to pay for it. Unless you live in a country that forces you to have paid time off, many don't even know how to be still or what to do with the day off. They dream of having one and then go totally numb or decline when they are able to get it. Now, of course, there are many reasons for this. People have placed things over interactions and experiences. We have whole generations that have never experienced the blessing of being still. And we are programmed to go more, faster, longer, and never take a break. Work like a machine and don't question anything. Just do what we program you to do. And when this is happening, is it any wonder that people walk around robotics To experience conscious being, as T.J. Woodward would put it, offers us one of the most magnificent opportunities, the opportunity to transcend our programs and to experience life. We are offered the opportunity to not live by a clock or a dollar bill, but to really look at what surrounds us. And T.J. challenges people to find the connection all around you, seeing that the prince and the pauper are you, when we choose to be conscious in our lives, many things happen. We realize that the material things do not satisfy us. And we realize that one man's suffering is suffering as a collective. We realize that one can never be bored with the simplest of things because their magnificence is incredible. And we realize abundance fills our life and everything is possible. We fully experience the simplest And I could go on and on here, but I know you are with me and know what I'm sharing here and what I'm talking about. So do you have at least one area where time stands still and you do not allow the distractions in life to interrupt the immense pleasure of being? And can you see the universe in anything and everything? And have you allowed yourself to be in a space where time doesn't exist? There is no right or wrong where a gentle breeze becomes incredibly powerful. And have you experienced that space where there is no separation between you and anything else? Some pretty big step to think about this week. Now, our code energy for this week, before we go on to our break and bring our guest on because I'm excited to have him here today with us, is the code energy for this week is all about taking your time. Amazing how that synchronizes, right? <laughs> it's all about taking your time, developing patience, and expecting the unexpected. This will be a time for unexpected blessings. And the space you carry yourself in this week will show if those unexpected happenings will be blessings or challenges for you. Getting tense, angry, and trying to do too much will be more likely to create bigger issues to deal with. Staying calm, relaxed, Leaving extra time to get places will give you some insights, blessings, and pauses that will connect some wonderful pieces together for you. When was the last time you got out and looked at the stars, listened to the ocean or riverbed, or simply just took time to breathe and be still? This will be a great week for all of those things. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I will have T.J. Woodward with me, and he's going to be sharing his work in Conscious Being. The song I have for you during our break today is called Wave. It's by Claire Hedin, and if you'd like to check out more of Claire's work, you can certainly do so through her website, www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes. And welcome back. You are listening to The Code Connection, and this is Jesse Ann Nichols-George. I'm your host today, and you were just listening to a song by Claire Hadine called "Waves." And um, sorry about that. I was trying to work something out here on the switchboard at the same time. And uh, anyways, you can catch up with more of Claire's work. She does amazing work, not only in music, but in some other events and things that she does that are connected with the Earth experience and experiences with that, Um, so you can check out all of her work, again, by the way, at www.clairhadin.com, that's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And today I have with me T.J. Woodward, a spiritual counselor, inspirational speaker, awakening coach, and addiction counselor. He is the founding minister and spiritual director of Awakened Living and works as the spiritual counselor and group facilitator at Foundation San Francisco Intensive Outpatient Treatment Program. With over 25 years of experience in the field of human potential, new thought ministry, and addiction recovery, Woodward brings a unique blend of experience and insight to his coaching practice, talks, and workshops. TJ served as a ministerial associate at Unity San Francisco, completed Unity's spiritual development program and their leadership development program, and as a result, he earned a prestigious position at a top-tier addiction treatment center, where he served as a counselor and spiritual director. He is an inspirational teacher offering practical guidance on the benefits of spiritual transformation. While encouraging a shift into a deeper awareness of authentic inner wisdom, he received his interfaith ministry ordination and formed Awakened Living, a community of spiritually conscious peacemakers. TJ Woodward is the author of the book Conscious Being Awakening to Your True Nature and is the host of Awakened Living TV and Awakened Living Radio. We are talking today, or I should say, taking a look, talking about. <laughs> Being Conscious with T.J., and you can learn, again, more about his work at www.jwoodward.com. And, T.J., it is absolutely wonderful to have you on Code Connection today.
2: Well, thank you, Jesse, and thank you so much for having me on the show, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation.
1: Great. And, you know, I like to get started, T.J., with, having you share a bit about your your journey, you know, share with people what brought you into this work that you're doing now.
2: Well, it's, you know, I've been reflecting a lot since my book came out about a year ago as to what was my own individual path that led me to this work. And for me, the work is all about consciousness and all about how we tap in and connect with our divine nature and our essential self. Early in my life, I had an experience of closing off and shutting down, and I actually remember it like it was yesterday. I was at my dining room table. I remember my mother and my two sisters sitting there, and I remember a physical sensation of closing off and becoming afraid of the world. Before that experience, I remember being absolutely present, completely in the moment and in awe of the world. And so that experience of closing off, I think, really set the foundation for my work because I walked around that way for many years. And then I got into some addictive behavior in my teenage years and then ultimately got sober at age 20. And that began my spiritual journey of unlearning all of this stuff that I have gathered, all these ideas and these beliefs that kept me afraid and separate. So at some point, and I could tell a much longer version, but at some point, I had the experience of reconnecting with and opening up to the oneness that we all are and experience a life with so much love, so much connection, and back to that state of awe and wonder. And so somewhere about 10 years ago, when I had this awakening experience, I recognized that the rest of my life, however long I'm here this time around on the planet, uh, is dedicated to being a presence for and a catalyst for other people, you know, waking up to this essential self and, and all of us living more connected and, and um, heart-filled, open-hearted, loving lives.
1: So let me ask you, I mean, you, you said that, um, you know, you hit a point where you got this, this turning point for you. Was there a particular trigger uh, that created that turning point? Well,
2: you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I have asked myself that, and many people have asked me that, and I, don't, I can't point to one uh, exact experience that really uh, started this closing off or caused this closing off. I do remember, though, at that time of my life, I started looking around and recognizing that somehow you know, the adults in my life um, seemed to be very afraid. I think it was the first time that I started noticing competition and the ideas of right and wrong, good and bad, and um, a lot of this fear that I was seeing in the world. And also, honestly, I was starting to recognize that there was violence in the world, and that, I, I think I was sheltered from that early in life, and that helped me to have this, this connection and this awe and this wonder of, of the world uh, so I think it was a combination of things that were happening in my household, and I, as I was, you know, looking around the world and seeing some of what was happening that just didn't make sense to me. It didn't, I didn't have a way to, to comprehend what was happening in the world around me, and I think that was what, what really started that experience of closing off and shutting down.
1: I find that interesting what you're sharing because I think this is a really big point for a lot of people uh, when we, we look at our path because whether we're conscious of it or not conscious of it, we all kind of enter this phase. And it, it might happen when we're four or five years old. It might happen when we're seven or eight years old. Or it might happen a little bit later where, you know, all of a sudden the soul goes, oh, my gosh, where am I? <laughs> what, what is this all about? And, and kind of hits that little trauma point, if you want to say, uh, along the way. And I see it even with a lot of people who already are aware, where they go in and out of those phases. I myself will admit it. I have times that I just want to go escape someplace. I'm not escaping to drugs or alcohol anymore, per se. Uh, well, I never really did drugs, but you <laughs> know I had my days of escaping to alcohol as well. And... You know, but there's still those times where it's like I just want what I remember um, before incarnating perhaps or something, that that quietness, that peace. Um, But was there there a trigger point that brought you back in then out of that space?
2: Well, that was definitely a series of events. You know, I, I referenced getting sober pretty young. I got sober, ironically, I guess, about 50-some days before my uh, 21st birthday. Actually, this last week, I just celebrated 30 years clean and sober, so I'm really incredibly grateful for that. And that was the beginning for me, and I actually I met a woman named Mary Helen Brownell, and I, I dedicated my book to her, and honestly, I've really dedicated my life's work to her, She was the most enlightened being that I had ever met. And I think meeting her really changed my life because it was there that I began to be exposed to Eastern thought, be exposed to a a different type of spirituality than I grew up around and what I grew up being taught, which was there was some God up there that was all powerful that I needed to surrender to. She introduced me in a very gentle way, the idea that this is all an inside job and that this is more about unlearning than it is about learning. Because at that point in my life, I was so terrified. I was so afraid. I um, believed I was separate from the rest of the world, and I found myself grabbing on to anything that I could outside of myself to try to feel safe, to try to bring about a sense of peace. And it was meeting her that really launched you know my life's trajectory in a very different way of taking that umbilical cord that I felt like I was walking around trying to plug it into, recognizing the sources within me that that is that this is ultimately an inner journey. I mean I would love to tell you that from that moment on it's the bliss and that has certainly not been my experience <laughs> but that was the beginning of shifting into a new way of being and seeing which involved unlearning, Letting go rather than trying to cling or strive for something outside of me.
1: I, I think this, what you're bringing up is something that a lot of people can relate to because it seems that oftentimes there is that example or mentor or person that shows up to help remind us, hey, there is, there is a light here. It's not all negative and bad on this world it's not all trauma and violence and you know there is still love and there is still this gentle energy as well in the world and it's amazing you said your 21st birthday now 21st birthday for me was a hard time um like you i was probably going through a lot of shifts and transformations and when i look at the codes of what that's about it's about new beginnings. It's a time of coming into our own power naturally, becoming more aware in some ways um, of things, and that creates a lot of new beginnings, which can make or break people a lot of times.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. And, and there are these, these points in our lives where we do have these great shifts. Now, that, obviously that can happen. It seems to me... This is just by my experience that it seems like at each decade, I've had major shifts in my life. I certainly did that time at around 20, and then another big shift at 30, another at 40, and certainly uh, another big one at 50, which was about almost a year ago now. So um, we could talk more about that, but there's also, you know, each of us, because my experience, I think, that happened for me in 20, at age 20 was I began to at least be introduced to the idea that nothing outside of me needed to change in order for me to have peace. And I loved in the beginning of your show, you were talking about opinions and this, this idea that would we rather be right or would we rather be free? You know, it's often said, would you rather be right or happy? But for me, it's about freedom and recognizing that as we do tap in and reconnect with uh, this essential that we came in this world as and really knowing that it's far less about anything happening in the outer realm and far more about how we are relating to the world, how we're responding to the world. So a big shift, and it's certainly been a a lifelong uh, journey for me. I mean, it can happen in an instant or it can take a lifetime for us to wake up, right?
1: (laughs) This is true, and we all we all hit these different points at different times, and I think it it goes in waves we wake up we we maybe grasp this on an intellectual level younger in our lives My life seems to have paralleled a lot of your life, um you know even though we have these different branches and paths as well and it It seems like as you say of course, each decade there's a certain aspect of new beginnings coming in, new – it's all part of that new personal cycle um, that we go through year after year. But there, there is that aspect of when you start to really absorb that concept that you're talking about, that the outer world doesn't have to affect you. And those that have been following my journey know I've been through <laughs> a lot of that over the last few years um, of, of just holding that peace and and that becomes very, very powerful to to really experience that and not just have that in a concept in your head
2: yeah that's really something that i have I've seen so much what's happening in this great awakening that's happening on the planet right now is we are moving from these concepts into embodying these spiritual principles i I know that, you know, there was that big shift that people talked about that was happening around 2012, and to me, the, the big shift that I see happening in so many people's lives that I know is we're moving from, the, from ideas and concepts and ideologies into experience and embodying these principles that maybe we've been talking about for, in my own life, certainly for the last 20, 30 years, and being with these principles but it's uh, really happening now on a really experiential level, and I think that's the greatest shift that's happening right now on the planet.
1: I love that you brought that up. I think that's an excellent way of explaining some of what people call this ascension period, this transformational period, uh, this waking up period, whatever the term is somebody wants to use for that, because I think a lot of people weren't quite prepared for it. They had that... (laughs) They had that big fairy tale fantasy that 2012 was going to hit and the world was going to be airy fairy wonderful, and I'm not sure everybody was ready to shift into experiences. Do you, do you have some yeah. thoughts or some insight on people that are kind of like, whoa, <laughs> this is a lot to take in. These experiences are a lot bumpier than what I was expecting them to be. <laughs>
2: Without a doubt. You know, in my book, Conscious Being, I dedicate um, a chapter to conscious evolution. And in my own framework or through my own lens, I've developed um, kind of a framework for how we recognize how we evolve in consciousness. And the first level of consciousness I call martyr level, which is really the victim consciousness, right? And so we're thinking that the problem is outside of me, the solution is outside of me. And I do. I did find that during that era, if we're living deeply in that consciousness that the solution is outside of me, I think we would be hoping for 2012 to come and you know the heavens to part and angels to sing and everything was great. Um, that's certainly not what I have seen happening. I actually think that the shift that has that happened then and that continues to happen is an invitation to go more deeply within. And this is about you know letting go of. Uh, the beliefs and the ideas that I believed about myself and the world. And there's many, many opportunities. I think if we look at this presidential election cycle right now, there's so much um, potential or so much, there's so much seeming division. You know, there's so much polarization, if you will. And I think this is an opportunity for all of us who are going to choose to wake up to recognize that this is about being in the midst of that, and deeply connected with the truth of who we are rather than getting caught up in the externals and being bounced around by life. To me, this is what, what we're all being called to to do right now. And those of us who are going to choose to be conscious, and that happens moment by mo- moment, you know, every single moment is an opportunity to close off or to open up, right, to uh, remain, remain conscious or to tap into this unconscious pattern or this old way of being in the reactive world. And it seems like right now there's so many opportunities happening all around us to either be love in the world or to judge the world. And to me, that really is the fundamental question for all of us right now. Can I be love in this moment in the world right now, regardless of what's happening in the outer realm? So in
1: a sense, and it's so funny that you bring that up because I heard some of this almost similar word this morning from Stephen Dinnan who's talking at the International New Age Trade Show, which is not actually that anymore. It's finance, but it's Consciousness Living Trade Show or something now. Um, and and talking about, you know, how to embrace different things. But he went off on some other tangent <laughs> than what you're going to. And what I'm hearing you say in this is that uh, – you know these these triggers were constantly there's things coming up to constantly trigger us in a way to put us in that reactionary stage but at the same time that is happening to to help us to go deeper to that inner peace to not be affected to to in a sense master and be conscious that we are being uh, reactive or we are being triggered and it's giving us that opportunity to 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 say, no, I don't need to get caught up in this drama. I just need to, to be in this space.
2: Absolutely. And and whether it's happening for that or it's neutral and we can choose to create meaning, I don't know. You know, our, I think my, our mind might want to uh, create a framework around that. What I do know is that regardless of what's happening in the outer realm, it can always be an opportunity. We can always use... Any any situation in our life can be an opportunity to wake up. And it it seems that as this political, for example, to take that that example and go further with it, um, you know, when we're looking at social media and we're watching now the way people have become uh, so deeply entrenched in the opinion-giving world, there's a section in my book called The Opinion Trap. And I write about how we now have entire businesses and websites dedicated to turning out opinions. And and we've we've seen news shows now where they bring on uh, what they would call the opposing views, and there's almost an argument about right and wrong and good and bad. And I think for those of us who are going to continue to choose moment by moment to be conscious, this is always an opportunity to wake up and recognize that we're always choosing uh, and if we're not choosing from a conscious level, we're going to choose from an unconscious level to be swept up into the drama of daily life. And it, seems, it does seem to be getting intensified right now.
1: You know, I love that you bring that up because this is not isolated to people who are unaware. This is happening even very strongly in people who are well on their spiritual path. And they carry a lot of opinions of what is right and what is wrong, and this is the way we have to go. And then, you know, so I'm so glad that you're bringing this aspect up because it is a big trap, and I see it as one that that does often happen once somebody started, um, and and we perpetuate some of these patterns, realizing that or not realizing that we're actually doing
3: <laughs>
1: what we're what we're resisting against, if you want to say that, you know, where we we you see so many people, for example, step out of a particular religion or a particular political party or whatever it is or group of people and because they're, you know, they don't like that everything's about right or wrong. And then they're sitting there saying they're wrong and I'm right <laughs> in this process. So it's definitely a big trap that I think people fall into.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and that. I bet- so clear to me during, the, during this election cycle to keep going back to that because, um, you know, I, I feel like that's the shift that's happening in terms of uh, spiritual community, for example, in the 21st century. When we started awakened Living, which is our spiritual community in San Francisco, a group of us sat down and asked the question, what's really wanted in the 21st century and what's different? And what we came up with is starting with This idea that people were looking for a place to come together in community that wasn't about dogma. It wasn't about this is the only answer. This particular book has the only answer or this particular teacher. This was about creating a space for us to really connect with and, and celebrate our oneness with source, which is the truth of who we are whether we call that a mystical connection or awakening to our true nature, uh, whatever words we use to describe that, that we're moving away from the idea of right and wrong. And and I agree. I think it's easy for any of us to get, you know, to fall back into that trap when we find a new way. For example, I see people coming into new thought and kind of reframing some of the, the traditional Religious ideas just in a little bit different packaging. Like I'll hear people talking, for example, about the cosmic two-by-four, saying that, well, if I, don't, if I don't surrender properly, then the universe will give me um, an opportunity in the form of some really difficult experience. Well, that's possible, and it also is quite possible we're just redressing and renaming the idea of a punishing God and giving it kind of a little bit different language. So this is an opportunity for each of us to pause and to be conscious of, you know, how am I feeling about this? How am I responding? What are my thoughts about this? Because ultimately, to me, the spiritual experience or spiritual awakening isn't so much about removing ego but about connecting with this essential self. That is beyond that, and from there we can witness this without reacting, with with you know being in the world as a presence of love, and a presence of peace in the midst of anything that's happening in the outer realm.
1: You bring up multiple, multiple good points in there, um, and and people do oftentimes get in in that trap, and I think that I think that so many times people want to put something off as being a punishing God, but if we know the essence of that energy, it, that energy isn't a punishing energy. To me, that's almost like a sense that somebody is not wanting to take accountability or responsibility, so they're looking for the external place to put the blame, um, whether they call that God or the government, or, you know, or whatever they call it, um, you know, their situation, their family, whatever it's it's a way of putting external blame on something that you know is allows them to avoid being responsible for their choices or, you know, trying to avoid that law of cause and effect, so to say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's very well said because that was certainly true in my own journey that at some point I recognized that I wanted to take a look at how the ideas I had about the world were affecting the way I experienced reality. And in that way, consciousness or conscious evolution creates what we call reality. And as long as I'm living with the idea of something out there that is doing it to me or something out there that is the solution, I'm going to continue to concretize the belief in, in a victim or what I call martyr consciousness and there's just there's no way to to move out of that cycle until we recognize that we are accountable. Each of us is accountable for the way we're viewing the world. Um, Carl Jung says that very simply that as long as it remains trapped in the unconsciousness, it's running or in the unconscious, it's running our life, and we call it fate. It's only when we bring it into conscious awareness that we recognize we're choosing. And to me, that that's the most that's the powerful moment of change because most of us or many of us are walking around quite unconscious to the fact that we're choosing moment by moment by moment and we're be, we're, we're completely reactive to our external the the external world rather than recognizing that this is about recognizing or each of us are making a choice and we can bring that into conscious awareness and therefore change the way we're responding and reacting to the world.
1: That is so important. And that is such, in my life, that's definitely been a really, really key point is, is acknowledging that everything I have done has been by my choice. Everything I've received in this world has been because of something I've chosen and acknowledging that and, and realizing that and granted, you know, we can all say, gee, if I knew what the outcome was going to be, <laughs> I would have chosen differently. But that's one of those things that as the outcome unfolds, we have to remember we still have choice to choose differently. And and I love that you bring up the concepts, too, about where people feel like they have to be hit over the proverbial spiritual two-by-four over the head. and. We don't have to. As I remind people, I say, you know, you don't have to learn through, you know, these really hard <laughs> ways. You can you can learn gently. You can learn lovingly. You can, you know, have different experiences. You don't you don't have to go through these really traumatic things to make that connection.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and it's an interesting thing because. In some ways, it's always this and that, or it always seems paradoxical, because it is true that we can certainly choose from a more, these more gentle messages. And, and yet, most people that I know have at least had some period of darkness that has led them in a way to a surrender that has assisted them in the awakening process. That was certainly true for me in my late 30s and around the time I turned 40, which was, as I said, a very pivotal time for me. My outer world really collapsed because I had said yes to this deeper spiritual journey. And when I said yes to becoming a spiritual teacher and a minister and I started my education process, and it was really that dedication to shifting the focus of my life from an outer focus life into an inner focused way of being, that my outer realm actually did collapse. And in the midst of that, I recognized that this was happening because I had built my external world on such a shaky foundation. And the greatest gift we can offer ourselves is to see ourselves without judgment, right? So I was able to say, Um, I'm grateful for this, even though it's incredibly painful, because this can be a very transformative experience. So depending on how you view that, someone can say, well, that was the cosmic two by four, or we can say, well, it was an opportunity to wake up and we can either choose to resist that or choose to open up to the the transformative quality of it. I have a chapter in my book called shift happens and we all know where that phrase came from. And I woke up one day and thought, what if I decided I was going to, would, could start calling all those events in my life that I was calling difficult, what if I viewed them as fertilizer? Because we know that fertilizer actually is what helps things to grow, and this new consciousness can grow out of seeming difficulties, out of what our ego mind might call bad. And so as we move beyond the ideas of right and wrong and good and bad and recognize that we can lean in and use every experience of life as a transformation, uh, then then things changed for me in a dramatic way. And I did have this incredible enlightenment experience that happened in 2006.
1: I, I love that you're sharing this and I love that you're bringing this up. Uh, I don't know that I've had anybody on before that has really talked about that key component that when we focus inwardly that the outer starts to collapse. And I think that that's a scary thought in some ways for a lot of people. Um, I I know in my own journeys, and I I could see that, (laughs) what you're talking about, I could see that collapse, and you're right. There is It's really an opportunity for us to see how stable something is. Was it built strictly on the material factors or was it built on something that was more solid and inwardly founded? Um, And and that's going to do it. And what you're sharing, I think, is a really powerful, exciting piece for people to get, which is the journey doesn't have to be hard, but a lot of people either make it hard or they do go through hard experiences because they're maybe not catching the point. Or, or getting there without those experiences. So um, I think that that's a big piece that you're sharing uh, in this, this aspect. The transformation that you're talking about, I think, is also a huge thing for people to realize because I know there's certainly a lot of spiritual people I've known along the way that says, oh, well, forget this poverty stuff and forget this and forget that. That's, that's not part of the spiritual path. But at the same time, as you say, these, as you go through this journey, because I know I've experienced it almost parallel to the time frames you're talking about, and, and it comes into this, this piece of you don't see these things as suffering. You start, when you start seeing some of this truth, if you want to say, the inner truth, the, the, you make this inner connection, you stop craving some of these things So your whole framework really is shifting
2: yes and that was certainly my experience and i love the way you're framing it because when we shift from thinking that the world is doing it to me and like as you said so beautifully that we're becoming more accountable and that's what really happened for me around the age of 40 once i recognized what my inner purpose and therefore um, wanting to bring that into my outer purpose connecting those two became really important to me that I wanted a life that was congruent. In other words, my inner purpose and my outer purpose, I wanted them to be in alignment with one another. And when I said yes to that, and when I knew that to be true, I recognized that all all that I had built in the outer realm that was built with a a different consciousness or a different conscious awareness in some way needed to dissolve. And, And in my case, it happened quite dramatically because I was still resisting letting go. And so it wasn't, it, it, it was actually a really beautiful experience, It was also very painful because I, I was in the midst of it kind of crumbling around me. I was able to recognize at least conceptually that this was happening because I was saying yes to a deeper life or, a, um, you know, more congruent life. So it was like all those things that weren't congruent with this saying yes to this deeper purpose really needed to to fall away or to crumble and you know we can either do that um willingly or we can resist and hold on and that might cause more pain but what we're saying here is that this isn't happening outside of us this is really all about the choices that we're making and again i think it was um, i think it was um adi ashanti maybe that said the highest form of human intelligence is to see ourselves without judgment and when I'm able to do that, then it becomes a, a very different process and it becomes something that we can welcome even in the midst of the dark night of the soul, knowing that that's an important aspect of, of our own awakening process.
1: I love what you're, what you're bringing up right now because I think this kind of ties, ties and wraps back around to that whole... Uh, concept that we were talking about in this ascension process that everybody's been so wrapped up in and how it's going to work and function and what it's going to be about. But the point that you brought up is that that of congruency and that of everything is now starting to try to harmonize. And in order for things to harmonize, a lot of times we have to, the extremes have to surface so that they can be let go of. And what we see is that these shifts and these changes are going to adjust on both sides, (laughs) so to say, um, so that they can find that harmony. And I think that that's a big big piece of what we're in right now globally on a lot of levels, whether we look at the earth, whether we look at spiritual development pieces or, or whatever we're looking at that these pieces are going to shake up and in order for us to release. And I think that's where that, the so-called hardships come from a lot of times, and the turbulence comes from a lot of times, is because harmony is being established, and we just can't see that it's harmony being <laughs> established sometimes because we get too wrapped up in the hardships um, of what's there. So I love that you brought that piece up and expressed it. As congruency, and that that's really a big part of the shift that's happening um, internally and externally for us.
2: Yes, without a doubt, it feels like that's what so many of us are seeking right now, and that is this sense of, you know, who I am internally and my external realm. I want congruency there, I want to be able to be the same person in every aspect of my life, and, and that certainly seems to be true in the clients I'm working with and, and in the people at our spiritual community in San Francisco. That seems to be the conversation, like how do we uh, create a, a sense of inner peace and also then allow that to help us create a sense of outer peace and have those be congruent.
1: I, I so agree, and it, it's, it's amazing when they do come together. You You also mentioned about the piece of being able to be oneself without judgment, do you have any insights for people that are trying to get there? Because I think that's another big piece and people start to delve into this inner journey and this consciousness piece and being conscious is all of a sudden these judgments come up, whether they're judgments towards other people or judgments towards themselves. But, Of course, we know those kind of mirror. (laughs) Those are kind of one and the same, in a sense. But, um, you know, they they, they don't always – they're not always prepared for that to surface up.
2: Absolutely, because when we're shifting from kind of blaming others for our experiences and we start to shift and recognize, you know, that place where we're maybe moving from what I call martyr consciousness, which is things happen to me in the magical thinking, which is I make things happen, when we're starting to become more accountable, I think it's easy to fall into the trap of self-blame and self-criticism. And we recognize that that really doesn't serve us. And yet there is a tendency uh, for many of us at that point. I think some of the ways that I've worked with that and assist others in working with that is really asking the question, you know, is it serving me to add judgment to this? Or is accountability, you know, I, I think the way I say it really simply is self-criticism never, is never useful, but self-accountability is the way we transform, right? That's the way we make this shift. So this is where, to me, a community is really important, you know, being around a group of like-minded and like-hearted people that are dedicated to this inner journey. And uh, perhaps this is the time to have a spiritual counselor or a therapist that can really help us and hold a space for this awakening, for this unraveling in a way, and what I mean by unraveling isn't in the classic sense of the word, but kind of beginning to unravel those ideas and those beliefs and those concepts that are creating what we call reality, Um, having trusted people in our lives to hold us and, and see this greater purpose of this, of this unlearning is really, really important. So, I mean, I think that's what I would offer at this point in the conversation, that uh, if, if you don't have a community or trusted people in your life that are on this journey with you, that can be really, really important, especially at this, this juncture we're talking about where we're moving from blame to self-accountability. That we, that we might have a tendency to start to judge ourselves and having other people that are either on the journey with us or maybe that have gone through this before to offer the, the presence and the gentleness, I think, that is important to saying, you know, we're all on this path at the perfect time and the perfect place and that this is about walking through this. We're not going to sidestep this and all of this is useful for our awakening. I think that, uh, is a really important aspect of this journey.
1: I I so agree, and I've had a lot of people express that recently to me, that they were really happy to have somebody that they could even just talk with, that they felt like they understood, if nothing else, that. Or to even be able to go and participate in a meditation class or um, a yoga class or whatever it is, where they could be around other people that were also uh, working through things or or working past things or had, you know, that support in a way, being around like energy, as we might say. Uh, I think, too, uh, a lot of people, as this judgment piece comes up, and there is some of the, the blaming or the self-blaming going on, and we're, we're working on transcending that or moving, moving past that. Um, to keep in mind that a lot of our judgments aren't coming from within. They're really not our own thoughts. If we get down to it, they're what we've been told is right or wrong. And we're trying to put our inner framework to the outer world uh, standards which to me is a little incongruent, and I think that's maybe part of why that piece comes up for us.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and it, it's, it's just such an important, I love the way that you framed like, being around like energy because we do recognize that life is energy, and when we're in the midst of that congruency, in other words, when we, we have people in our lives that are on the same journey with us, the same intentionality, uh, being being in, intentional about our own awakening, uh, it creates so much more opportunity for us to open up and to to evolve and to raise our awareness about this journey. And uh, certainly has been absolutely fundamentally important to me. That, that's why I, as part of my life's work, I, I, I feel that having a conscious community is such an important aspect of it and that's why we started Awaken Living here in San Francisco four years ago with this deliberate intention of creating a community of people to support each other in in the awakening process
1: Now, I I think one of the big keys to working past this piece and and moving onward in our processes is a piece that both you and I deal a lot with and that's everyday compassion um, I, I know that's a, a piece of your work, a piece of my work. And what, what kind of suggestions do you have for people with that? Or, or why do you see that as a key component in this process?
2: Well, I think compassion is the cornerstone for, for our own evolution. Uh, because without compassion for ourselves or others, I think we, get, we can stay stuck in what we were talking about early, where we you know, I think everything is an opportunity to love or to judge, really. And I've been sitting the last couple of weeks with this idea that the opposite of love is judgment. Because I think sometimes we hear the opposite of love is fear. And it's just something that's been emerging as a question for me. I tell a story in my book, Conscious Being, about an experience I had with Mary Helen Brownell, the, the woman I talked about that changed, really changed my life. In 1992, we were traveling to India, and we had a 24-hour layover in the Los Angeles airport, and there was an experience that happened that changed my life dramatically in, in being in the experience, and that was she and I were in the airport, and there was a young mother there with an infant, and the infant was crying, and the mother, the young mother, was becoming verbally abusive toward the baby, and I just remember looking around and feeling this sense of horror that was happening with everyone. And I saw Mary Helen stand up and walk over to the mother, the young mother. And I remember hearing her say the words. I was a young mother myself once. I understand how difficult this can be. Is there some way I can help you? And she sat with that mother and the infant. And I remember watching the energy of both the, the baby and the mother calm down as she sat there and, with this presence and this love where most of us in that situation were offering judgment. And it was such an example, such a powerful example to me of everyday compassion, because we can talk about compassion as a concept, as an ideal. And yet what happens in our moment to moment experience, you know, is it possible to offer love, to be loved in the midst of something that uh, seems to be challenging or seems to be a place where there is no love. And that's an opportunity for each of us. And what that requires, you know, she sat with that young mother for about an hour and then came back and sat with me, and we never spoke of that. I, I, I never spoke with her about that situation because it didn't need to be spoken about. It was such a powerful demonstration. And what that requires for each of us is to do our own inner work, because as long as we're in the reactive mind or the reactive way of being, it's not possible to offer love in the midst of that. And, you know, we could say, well, you know, of course, maybe that mother deserved judgment, but is that, is that going to serve? Uh, this greater experience, this greater awakening, and and what I witnessed in her being able to do that was such a powerful example of how we can do that in our day-to-day life.
1: It's a great example that you brought up, and I know in my work I've often said that compassion is the antidote, if you want to say, for judgment. It is what will move us throughout, beyond it, and Um, really, really a beautiful example in that because we do oftentimes get these triggers. We do oftentimes have these things that we're feeling powerless in or things like that and instead of just releasing and saying, I don't need to (laughs) control the situation and powerless is a good thing. I just need to be present And, and people forget how easy that just a presence, holding that presence um can just make the most amazing shifts out there in the world and you had mentioned as well that you cannot be reactive and love at the same time and i i so agree and this is another big piece that i see happen a lot of times that people will say in the name of spirituality <laughs> in the name of the spiritual processes, I'm rebelling and I'm fighting and I'm this and I'm that. And they're reacting to all these things, realizing, you know, not even realizing I think a lot of times that they've stepped out of that love space. And um, I think that this is a a huge piece that you're bringing in here.
2: Thank you. Yeah. One of the best uh, definitions that I have heard to describe spiritual awakening is simply that uh, a spiritual awakening or a spiritual experience is a profound alteration in our reaction to life. And I would actually change that to respond. Um, and yet the essence of that is recognizing that when we have the experience of being able to, you know, as I'm saying, do the inner work of clearing, which we could talk more about, like how do we become uh, non-reactive in the world, and uh, it starts, I think, with, with external, perhaps. And In other words, maybe we start practicing by recognizing I'm not going to respond in a negative way to all of the Facebook posts and all the political things that are happening or all the seeming injustice of the world. We can respond as love, and that takes a, a great deal of dedication to our own path. Um, one, one book that comes to mind is The Presence Process, You know, it's an opportunity, it's a great process for helping us uh, get in touch with that part of ourselves that's reacting and what needs to be felt because I think that the emotional experience is something that for many years, I think that um, a lot of spirituality, uh, maybe in an unconscious way, that it was kind of bypassing the the emotional aspect of life. And to me, that's when we we move from uh, concept to embodiment, part of what happens is we, we need to get in touch with our emotional response, our, our emotional reaction. And so in that way, rather than trying to remove or, or move past the emotional response, we move toward you know, what, what is happening in my body is absolutely uh, great information for me. And rather than trying to get rid of the emotion we're going to step into fully, maybe that's the greatest purpose of uh, meditation. It isn't about clearing the mind, but it's about becoming the observer of that and becoming deeply in touch with what's happening internally and learning to open up to every experience that's happening internally will allow us to do that in the world. And then the, the reverse is also true. The more I'm able to offer compassion for people in the world, the more I can offer it for myself, the more I can learn to offer it for myself, the more I can be that in the world. And so it's, it's both one and the same, really, this idea of giving and receiving is really one movement in that way.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up <laughs> because because so many times I see people, you know, hung up on the giving and the receiving piece. Of it, and we see all these posts out there about you're giving too much and, you know, and, and what am I getting out of this and, you know, all of all of these pieces, and when we realize it is really one movement, and as you say, uh, compassion is really about responding to the needs of the moment, and you're not sitting there wondering what am I getting or what am I giving or am I giving too much. Um, you know, you're you're simply making that that response. You're not reacting. You're not getting wrapped up in the drama of the situation or other people's stories. Um, you're, you're simply just taking that that time to stop and observe what's actually happening and I think that's a good, as you say, a good key point because when we tune into our body and we feel that reaction come up in it, whether it's the racing pounding hard or whether it's the, the punching in the gut or whatever it is that you know, we, we, we realize in that moment we're reacting. And if we stop and we just kind of step back a moment, we can get that consciousness. We can get that awareness of, of what's really going on and what's really
3: needed. Yes. Yeah,
2: for sure. And, you know, it reminds me of there's a lot of talk about oneness. You know and what you know we're hearing that everywhere now this this idea of oneness or recognizing that at some level we're all one, not only we're all all connected, and so this is really a way to practice that right because if I have an idea, this idea of giving and receiving really comes from a place of seeing ourselves as separate, right so we might say, I know that Byron Katie got some some kind of some negative stuff. Sent her away because she said at some level we don't actually need boundaries and of course people had a big reaction to that and although I did I didn't hear what she said um, what I'm what I'm imagining is that what she's talking about is that the ultimate level of consciousness when we recognize we're all one this isn't about boundaries this might be more about opening up and connecting and so we move out of the idea of giving and receiving into this being and this way of recognizing our inherent oneness with each other and everyone that's alive on the planet, every living being. Uh,
1: yes, yes, and that's, that's true. And I, I think that you bring up a good point where people could get very confused in that boundary aspect. Um, you know, people, I think there are those fear triggers that go off where people go, oh, I've got to let these horrible <laughs> people into my life. No, we're not, you know, necessarily saying that. Um, you know, it's just you realize that, that they are part of this whole. We're all part of the whole. We're all pieces of it. We all are, are aspects of it. And, and there's not that right or that wrong or that good or that bad or one better than the other Work. We're all equal. You know, when we get into that unity, the CEO and the janitor and the white-collar worker and the blue-collar worker, they're all the same. You know, There, there's no hierarchy in in all of that. And I think that's a big breakthrough to, to be in, to be able to let go of those boundaries. You know, it's just, I get some of those kind of reactions from people when I, I'll come out every now and then and I'll say, yeah, but we don't really own any of it. The government doesn't really own the land, and you don't really own the land. And you know. And so why are we actually fighting over the possession of land <laughs> or something like well, that? That's, and,
2: that's always what we seem to be fighting over, right, this idea of us and them and mine and yours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's that separation, and, and we don't even realize that we're – Separating a lot of times when it's like this is mine and that's yours and don't you come over and take mine, <laughs> He's here. But it's it's part of the balancing I think when we see these um, these different aspects going on um, of things mm-hmm. and, and that's the, I think that's another big part of the shift that we're in. Maybe you can enlighten on that uh, uh, of the balancing that's that's happening is when the rich realize they're the poor and the poor realize they're the rich (laughs) and, you know, they don't have to hoard their possessions and they don't have to take somebody else's possessions or things like that. It's just all there for everybody. I think that's when we've made a big leap.
2: Without a doubt. And,
1: And one thing I want to say, I think it's important,
2: at least I feel called to speak to, also honoring and recognizing that we, we want to honor where we are on the path. So, you know, I work in the field of addiction treatment, and, you know, people that are coming out of addiction may be in relationships that aren't healthy. Uh, there, there is an important stage of evolution where we do need to learn to have boundaries, where we're not in toxic relationships, where we are moving past, you know, abusive and destructive relationships. What we're talking about is as we evolve along the path, we recognize there's a place where we come to the awareness that we're all one. So the, the paradox in this is because people will often say, as you mentioned, then are you saying we should just continue to be in toxic relationships or not move past relationships? What I have found in the work I do with people and certainly in my own journey is that the more we awaken to the truth of who we are, the more those relationships kind of take care of themselves. And that doesn't mean we're necessarily passive in this, that when we shift the focus to our own inner awakening and we recognize more and more who and what we are and we become a witness to that part of ourselves that's the ego rather than thinking we need it needs to die, when we have this process of awakening, we find that we're in relationships that, that serve that in a more powerful way. Uh, I hear over and over and over again People talking about as they go through their awakening process, uh, they they begin to recognize that some of the relationships that were that were that were in their lives or of people that were important to them start to fade away, and sometimes that can be you know challenging for people in the awakening process. It's such a part of the journey because you know as we grow and evolve, our relationships are going to shift as well. So. I think, you know, on some level maybe we do need to have boundaries, and then there's this other level where we absolutely don't. So, again, it's kind of paradoxical or it's both this and that, not one or the other.
1: Again, I love what you're bringing up, and I think it is so very, very important for these days and times because when I look at the codes of what we're going through on the bigger levels, um, we're in times that are all about letting go of our addictions. And this is, this is huge. Our addictions and our ability to let go of them are going to make or break us right now in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and that's not to throw everything into polarities, but it's going to be the difference of whether somebody thrives or whether they break down. Uh, eventually, they're going to get to the same place. They're just different paths to take. One's a lot harder than the other. And And I want to bring in a a point with this when you're talking about boundaries for people that maybe will make it a little easier. (laughs) I don't know if that's the word to accept. Um, But when we look at boundaries, to keep in mind that it's not about excluding other people, it's about making a conscious conscious choice of what you're going to align with. And so as these people are falling out of our lives, um, we we have this whole dynamic that yes, in some ways that can be lonely and yes, it can be difficult sometimes to, to let go of, of people, but it's, it's also a recognition that this is not the space I'm choosing anymore and unfortunately or fortunately or whatever, no judgment in there, <laughs> the other person is not choosing to be out of that space and, and that's really the key. It's one of us is choosing to be out. One of us is not choosing to be out of that space.
2: Yes, and that's why going back to that importance of community, I find that that is absolutely true. As we evolve and shift, you know, inter- like attracts like. We know that. That's, that's, that's a law in the physical world, right, that like water seeks its own level and the energy is attracted to like energy, so as we grow and evolve, it's going to naturally happen, and I think you brought up a really important point, and that is sometimes people can start to feel lonely on this path, and that's why I think, you know, we're, one of the reasons or one of the ways I think uh, that that uh, consciousness is accelerating is actually through technology, and I know that sometimes people have some negative things to say about, about technology in the way maybe we're addicted to it, and that may be true on some level, and yet it's also serving us really well. I mean, I'm reminded of a wonderful conversation I had with a woman who lives in a small town in South Texas, and she read my book and said, you know, finally someone that is speaking my language, and she didn't have a lot of people in her immediate community that were in this conversation of consciousness and conscious awareness, So we really are connected now uh, worldwide, and and it's just such a powerful way. Uh, I think that that technology has served us really well in that way in terms of evolving and connecting. And so um, it can be quite lonely, and luckily we have ways to connect and to find find our people, if you will, that are in this conversation and in this process of, of evolution
1: and it's it's a good reminder for us that you know there there are those fine lines between sitting online being addicted to what what's the next post <laughs> that's going to be posted by somebody and utilizing something like technology uh for you know for that expansion in a way for you know opening up and making some connections in there um so that kind of comes back to the perspective piece of, you know, how are you going to use what you have in the world? Um, you can use something towards that evolvement, towards that progress, towards, um, you know, towards that consciousness or, or not. You know, is it, is it going to be in that alignment for you? And is yes, it operating in that
3: way?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm thinking of of Wisdom 2.0, you know, the conference where people from the spiritual world and and the technology world have come together, starting in San Francisco some years back asking the question how can how can the tech world serve, you know, spiritual awakening and how can spiritual, you know, the spiritual teachers uh, assist with the world of technology and of course it's a wonderful way for people to come together and recognize that as you said, we can use any of this in, a, in an addictive way, if you will, which is you know, using this as a way to not be present with ourselves, or we can actually use it as a vehicle uh, for, for conscious evolution. And I know in my own journey, I actually made a conscious choice to change really the algorithm, if you will, of Facebook on, because I decided I was going to start following people that were like-minded and like-hearted. And I was going to not unfriend, that I didn't, didn't need to do that, but maybe unfollow uh, some of the people that were posting some of the things that were really living more in that egoic world. And Facebook is a beautiful experience for me now because I get to connect with all of the people in the world that are serving and wanting to serve the evolution of consciousness and it can be a really beautiful experience. So, of course, we can use technology in any way we choose, just like everything else in life. So
1: so let's let's pull a little bit of a framework here in this because it can be a fine line, and it's very easy, as you know, working with people who are in addiction space uh, to justify that they're – surrounding themselves with spiritual people or whatever, and yet they really have a hard time walking away or there really is that addiction. So maybe you can kind of give a framework for, for people of when is it addiction and when is it connecting and communicating and being of service for us.
2: I'm really happy you're bringing this conversation up. I'm actually writing my second book right now. My second book is Conscious Recovery. uh, subtitle is Breaking the Cycle of Addiction. And I'm looking at how we shift from an addictive way of being, which is simply said, seeking an outer seeking, you know, seeking something outside of ourselves to try to fix something that feels broken within uh, and looking at addiction through the spiritual lens, meaning the, the lens of wholeness and perfection, um, it's really taking the principles that I wrote about in my first book, A Conscious Being, and applying them to addiction and addiction treatment and addiction recovery. Another way of saying it is, rather than seeing ourselves as broken in some way, we're looking at it through the lens of wholeness and perfection. Uh, I know I'm kind of getting a little bit off topic in terms of your question. I just thought it was an opportunity to talk about addiction and what, what I see as addiction. And we live in a, an incredibly addictive society because we're looking at an instant fix, an external focus of finding something outside of ourselves to try to change the experience that we're having internally. And so my intention for my second book is to really offer a framework of how we look at addiction and recovery, whatever that means to each of us. And to me, it's recovering that essential self. It's returning to a place of wholeness and perfection. It's about unlearning all these ideas and beliefs that we've had about the world so that we can come back to this place of awe and wonder. So in that way, you know, I think to answer your question about how do we know where that fine line is, Uh, I I had a teacher once say there are only three steps, step one awareness, step two awareness, and step three awareness. So it's about being more and more aware of our choices and our perspectives and recognizing what our thoughts are about this. And uh, are we coming from a place of love or are we coming from a place of judgment? And and that's one way that we can always uh, kind of a litmus test there is for us to be aware of where we are choosing from, like what part of ourselves, if you will. Is this my ego talking? Is this my thought? Or is this, my, is this spirit or my intuition? And am I willing to and able to make choices about my life from that place?
1: And, and I think that last piece is a big one. Am I able to make choices about my life? Because oftentimes we look at addictions you know, like I said, only in the terms of drugs or alcohol or something extreme or, you know, sex or whatever in the world. Um, but we can equally be addicted to a spiritual practice. We could be addicted to, um, you know, spiritual being in a way. I mean, it's, uh, I've seen that as well where people, they're, they're addicted to their crystals. They're addicted to, um, you know, they get a fix. They get a fix from uh, hanging out at the the local spiritual store or something. So the key comes back to, you know, are you consciously choosing this from a space of love and it's allowing you to exist in a space of love or are you getting some sort of fix off of it?
2: Yeah, and of course, on one level, we could say, well, at least it's healthier than the other addiction. <laughs> and maybe that's, <laughs> that's like a, 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 a step in the right direction. You know, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I gave up my drugs and alcohol addiction or my sex addiction or my shopping addiction. Now I'm addicted to a spiritual path or to a 12-step program. And, of course, you can say it's definitely healthier Um, I think, you know, the intention for us is to move from wanting or needing something outside of ourselves, you know, into a more inner experience and inner spaciousness, if you will. And addiction, again, as we've said, is something outside of ourselves. So it's shifting that awareness to recognizing that at some level there is a part of us, and it's not really a part. It's really the truth of who we are. That is whole and perfect, and from that place, we don't need anything outside of ourselves to try to manipulate or fix or shift that. We come into a, a, a place of inner spaciousness. Uh, we tap into infinite potential. This awe, this wonder, this presence about about the world, and from that place, then we're not seeking. We're not outer seeking. We're not even seeking inward. We we arrive at a place where we call off the search and we rest in this deeper truth that it's always been this place of wholeness and perfection.
1: And and that's a really big piece because a lot of people they don't feel or see that in a human existence and and maybe you've got a, a tip in there for where does somebody start because I I very much agree with you when we're um, as long as our focus is externally there's going to probably be some form of addiction there. Uh, going going on because we're allowing that to to govern our decisions as as opposed to the internal connection so let's say somebody goes okay that's it TJ (laughs) I'm done I don't want to be addicted to this anymore I've got this addictive pattern even if it's a sort of healthy one because it's you know I'm addicted to yoga or I'm addicted to meditation I can't stop doing that (laughs) um But I need to break that because it's it's an outward piece. So how do I start realizing my own wholeness? How do I – because there are – I know of a lot of people, even people that are doing incredible spiritual work in the world that have a real struggle with connecting with their wholeness and seeing themselves as whole.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that the framework – that I introduced, and I'll repeat it, because I think it's it, it certainly, I could say this is, this is the short version of my life at this point, is that in, in the beginning of, well, at some point, I started this outer search. So it was all about outer seeking, right? And then around age 20, as I said, I started, I found a path that was about looking within. So I wasn't outer seeking, but I be, was beginning this inner search, and then there was this place that I arrived at, and for me it happened right around age 40 when I had this intense spiritual experience in India where I had the experience of calling off the search. And I think that is an important framework because then it, it changes the paradigm completely. So this isn't about trying to attain something or reach or strive for something. This is about what do I need to let go of or what do I need to see here that I am holding that is preventing me or I believe is preventing me from knowing my own wholeness and perfection. So the framework is completely different. We're not striving or clinging externally or internally, but we are resting in this place that's always been. One practice that I offer in my book that has been incredibly powerful for me and I use it with clients is uh, this 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 uh, practice of living in the question. So my invitation is that we, we, we choose a question that's an open-ended question. So it can't be answered in yes or no. And it doesn't start with why, and we can get into the why of why not starting with why, if you'd like, but it's really, it's how, what, where. So how can I open up and experience my own divinity? What might I want to let go of so I can experience this truth? What else is possible? And we live in that question. Um, You know, the mind is always seeking answers. And we're trained from a very early age that there's a correct answer to everything. And that's our our whole educational system is based on that. So this is really a very different way of being in the world. This is about living in the question. For example, if the question is what else is possible, I might dedicate the next 24 hours in meditation and as I'm walking through through what we call life, really living in the question what else is possible what else is possible what else is possible and what this allows is an expansion of our consciousness this allows us to open up into a new way of being because you know simply said if nothing changes nothing changes so until i can expand out of my comfort zone i'm not really going to expand into a new awareness so this allows us to uh, be in a question rather than seek for answers. And this allows our consciousness to expand and open up to more, more possibility.
1: I absolutely love that. And, and I really am in agreement with you on this tremendously um, because you bring up a good point. Call off the search. <laughs> stop, stop looking outside of yourself, but call off the search. Um, I, I love how you brought that in, and this this whole aspect of asking the questions and I have been doing that very proactively for the last few years, and so many times we get wrapped up in well that that lifestyle just isn't possible that's that's not going to happen in this world and I hear that a lot from people it's like well you just can't you can't do without money, you can't do without that and that's like Oh, yeah, watch me, <laughs> you know, just see what I can create. And I th- I think it does come back to what do I want to be living? What do I want my life to be like? And what does it take to have that?
2: Keep yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very, very well said. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so the what's that you're talking about, and like you said, it, you know, it, why life is the way it is, I mean, sure, I can understand delving a little into that just to give us a framework so we have a better conception of where we want to go to, but why something happens doesn't really matter. The fact is it's here, it's happened, and what are you going to do with it? Are you going to use it? Are you going to let it go? Are you going to, you know, is it what you want in your life? Is is that <laughs> is that the piece that's going to you know, really give you that peace and that, uh, that inner serving. And, and you know, it's sometimes we just even get in the habits of doing something over and over and over again. And I'm going through a lot of these questions myself right now. Is this what I want to continue with? And I'm sensing changes and I'm sensing the universe and soul self guiding me in certain paths. And to go down those paths, that means I'm going to be letting go of certain things <laughs> that I've been doing for years. Um, and and that's okay you know that's okay it's just that the the nature of how things are going to come out in the world are going to change and um, so I love that you're bringing this in because the question piece is wonderful and we don't have to seek outside when we ask the questions because when we ask the questions the universe responds the divine responds to us and it'll give us the answers without us having to seek them out
2: yes absolutely and and i I love that you're talking about you know I, I the way I'm hearing it is like the ego, for whatever reason, wants us to stay where we're at, and I you know we could talk we could probably do an entire show on why the ego wants us to stay stay small or stay where we're at. There's a degree of safety that gets created around that, but what the reality is is we don't we don't change and grow until we step outside of. Uh, the way we've always done something, you know, again, nothing changes if nothing changes, right? So this is about expanding and really having the courage uh, to see the world in a different way, to expand our, our version or our vision of ourselves. So opening up to a new way of being and I, and, and it takes courage. And again, I keep, I keep coming back to the, the conversation and the idea of the importance of community in this so that we can, support one another in opening up and seeing things differently than we've always seen and done them.
1: I, I agree, and I think the big part of the community of why that is so effective is because it provides that strong reminder when we are surrendering, when we are releasing, when we are making these shifts and these changes of loving energy. And I think it's very, very important for us to have that connection with loving energy um, as we're going through those transformations because those transformations can be times where we get thrown off course or we question it or, you know, we, we struggle with knowing that it's present. So having those groups keeps us aware of that, uh, I think, in a very, very favorable way or a very um, supportive way. And I think the best groups are exactly that, they're supportive and loving without making the decisions for you.
2: Yes, and, and, you know, as you were talking, I was just sitting with the question, um, you know, what's the value of loving kindness? What's the value of compassion to bring back some of of the points we've been talking about? And I was just thinking, you know, very simply, it's like because the other way doesn't seem to work, right? The, the, I, the, the separation, the judgment, the fear, all of that we recognize on some level doesn't work. You know, the ideas of us and them and right and wrong and good and bad are what have continued to perpetuate all of the war and all of the pain and the suffering in the world. So it's, it's for each of us right now to, to do what is needed and wanted to make the inner shift. And I think if we really are to bring it down to what is, what is happening right now in terms of the evolution of consciousness, I think it's the, the simplest way to say it. You know, I opened my book with a quote from Lao Tzu, and I think it's an important one because it speaks to what we're talking about. And if, if it's okay, I'll just – a short quote, it, and it simply says this from Lao Tzu. If you want to awaken all of humanity, then awaken all of yourself. If you want to eliminate the suffering in the world, then eliminate all that is dark and negative in yourself. Truly the greatest gift you have to give is that of your own self-transformation. And to me, that's really what we're talking about, where we're not talking about changing others or needing the world to be different. We're talking about this time, this moment, right now, right in this very moment that each of us are called to do the inner work of transformation, and that's the only way we'll really bring about any kind of lasting peace on the planet, because the, the outer search hasn't worked. Trying to change it in the outer realm hasn't worked. What we're called to do, each of us right now, is to do our own inner work of transformation, and in turn, that's how lasting peace can, can happen and is happening on our planet.
1: You know, so well said, and I have been driving that point home with people (laughs) so much lately. They're like, why does it have to be so difficult? And I go, it's not difficult. All you have to do is be. You know, there is no real doing, per se. You just need to be that light. That's it. It's really, really simple, and it's nowhere near as hard as we make it. We just have to sit in that light, just be in that light, and that's all there is to it. TJ, we're kind of winding down a little bit on time. Do you have some things you want to share with people as far as anything you have going on? Um, Please make sure that they know how to connect with you and your work and where they can get your book from and all of those types of things.
2: Yeah, thank you, Jesse. So the best way to reach me is tjwoodward.com. And on my website, you'll see uh, information about my counseling practice. I meet with people uh, in person in San Francisco and, of course, worldwide on FaceTime and Skype, working with people that are uh, coming out of an addiction, working people uh, with people also that want to awaken to a deeper sense of gratitude, a deeper sense of presence. Uh, I call that awakening coaching, and that is really being a presence for people, um, you know, doing this process we've been talking about of unlearning and returning to this state of awe and wonder. Uh, Also, uh, our spiritual community in San Francisco is called Awakened Living. We meet each Sunday morning uh, at 11 a.m. at the Hotel Rex in Union Square. It's an amazing, wonderful morning of inspirational music, uh, conversation, messages. Uh, really a community dedicated to sharing love in the world. And also my book, Conscious Being, you can find that on Amazon or on my website, cjwoodward.com.
1: Perfect. I love it. Anything that you want to leave people with here before we move on to some of our closing things? (laughs)
2: Absolutely. What I would like to offer anyone listening in this moment is simply this. You are the love you've been looking for. You are the one you've been waiting for that each of us is absolutely whole and perfect. And there is this part of ourselves, this true essence that is wholeness and perfection that absolutely came into this world with a divine purpose. And that purpose simply is to love. So, you know, right in this moment, to offer that you can experience that deep love within yourself and share that with the world and that we are in this beautiful time of rapid transformation of consciousness. And just a a huge thank you to everyone that's listening today and knowing that there are those of us who are conscious beings and dedicated to conscious evolution and a deep, deep sense of gratitude for everyone on this path. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much, TJ, for being here and sharing your work and sharing your thoughts and um, awakening people to this possibility and these steps and, and this opportunity to, to step into this way of being conscious.
2: Well, Thank you, Jesse, and thank you so much for the great work you're doing in the world
1: as well. Thank you. And next week here on the show, we are, well, it's going to be a little bit of a wild card. <laughs> What's going to happen? I'm still waiting for some confirmation, actually, on a on a guest that I have lined up. Um, we have some things going on, so hopefully that's going to work out for you. If not, well, you know, I'm going to come up with something, whether we do a rebroadcast of last week's show, which didn't go through. <laughs> Which was interesting. We got cut off partway during the show before we got into the meat of it. Or whether we just do a really nice, relaxed replay or musical show or something, we'll be doing something exciting and wonderful and, and that will just uh, open up the vibrations in a beautiful way. Don't forget uh, that you can connect with all my work, be it videos or books or sellers. You know, all of those things are, are happening. Um, my work with Embraced by the Divine, you can connect with that through EmbracedByTheDivine.com. Uh, you can also check some of that out on my website. I've got that up. Like I said, I've got a brand-new website up as of yesterday morning, CompassionCode.com. Uh, if you go into the old website, it will forward through, so don't worry about it. You can still get there either way. Um, by the way, June's special deal that I have going on is if you purchase a copy of Embraced by the Divine and... Um, and then I will send you the e absolutely free for activating compassion and its companion workbook. So um, all you have to do is, is send me a copy of your receipt from where you purchased it from, and uh, I'll send you the other two out. Don't forget, we do have various shows here on Main Street Universe, and uh, Tuesdays is one of our primary shows that goes on and on. Susan Weed, who shares her work in herbs and natural plants, absolutely wonderful. Wednesday nights, Daniel and Janice have been coming on very regularly with their show and either having some really interesting guests on or I think this past week they did a reading show. Janice has been doing her own show once a month called Reflections and Rhythms. Darren Bupair, who's a reader at Madame Laveau in New Orleans, comes on about once a month. So we've got some interesting people weaving in and out of the network right now. This is Jesse on Nichols George, and I'm so glad that you joined me here today and I want to say thanks to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but those that are streaming live on Ten, known as Parent Counters Network, Stream Finder, and TalkStream Stream Live, as well as those that are catching our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and those catching the YouTube version of our show. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at this very same link in our archives. And I'm going to leave you today with the song Yearning for, also known as Over and Over. It's by Shemshai. And you can connect with Shemshai whether you do it on Facebook or another means. You can connect with them uh, through their website www.shemshai.com. That's S-H-I-M-S-H-A-I.com. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again next week, right here on the Code Connection. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could
0: see what makes
1: me blind,
0: I would soar to the edge of my mind, and to touch what seems unreal, just to show you the way that I feel. And we are in time with time, one with the season of change and And we are in tune with the two, caught in a balance of sun and moon. Lord, To walk just a little bit slower, whispering secrets that you can't keep it. No turning back now, this time we reveal it. One to another, all will discover the essence within the most beautiful lover. Time is still turning, the love is still burning deep in your spirit, your heart is still yearning.